Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to the kitchen table. This week we're talking about a lie that um, strikes close to my heart, and it is the lie that I'm falling behind, or sometimes it sounds like I'm missing out. We're going to look at this lie from a couple different standpoints, but I think the basic bottom part of that lie where the enemy is attacking you and attacking me with this idea is on the playing field of contentment. Are you content right where you are? Can you be content right where you are? For me personally, this lie began um, because my personality kind of drives towards discontent. I am um, realizing more and more that if I'm not careful, I am always, instead of being present in the moment I'm enjoying, I'm actually looking forward to whatever is coming next. Part of it is personality. I mean, I've looked at the Enneagram. It makes sense inside of that. It makes sense inside of um, different models of understanding people's temperaments. Part of it is my temperament. It's part of the flesh in which I live. And then part of it is we live in a culture that actually speaks to achievement or goals being met in other areas and not motherhood so much. And when I first became a mom, I was very successful in my field and um, enjoyed it, found a lot of satisfaction in what I did. And I came home with um, my first child and then actually had to go back to work um, shortly thereafter just for budget reasons and the way we were um, having to, for affordability reasons, I mean, I had to work and uh, worked through the fourth, our fourth child. So I worked for another five years and again, I loved it. Um, But Even in those years when life was hard and stressful and all the things, the the lie that would come at me was that things were hard or things were um, a struggle because motherhood somehow was the roadblock to happiness. That I could remember back to where the way things were before I had kids and I was pretty sure it would never go back to that way and I was walking in a stressed space and I was resentful and I've shared it in other ways that the lie came at me, but definitely this lie began to creep in here of, you know, life could have been different, can be different, but it's not different for you. Um, And then the lie of missing out, of not being able to do things that I saw other people doing and I wanted to do them. I'm a, I'm an adventure activity 
um, I want exciting things all the time kind of personality. And so I long for that. And so this lie um, would rear its ugly head in those moments. And then um, the lie also would rear its ugly head with the idea that I was falling behind. That because I was choosing to do the bulk of my career in tiny bits and spurts. So when I was at home with my four, I was um, really probably working part-time. Um, a little over part-time, but by and large part-time. And uh, so my career wasn't advancing, just was kind of maintaining. And in all those facets, the enemy really used those thoughts to kind of prey on my mind and make me look out, compare my life to other things I saw and long for something different. I was discontent. And I can still struggle with this. Oh my goodness. I, you know, over the last um, 12 or 13 years, I've been homeschooling our kids and I did not feel, I am, I'm not a teacher. I did not want to homeschool. I'm not, I had this vision of what homeschooling was and I did not feel like I hit any of the marks. If you follow me at all on social media, you absolutely know that I cannot tolerate any kind of arts and crafts unless it is with crayons, colored pencils or markers on pieces of paper. Like it like almost makes me have hives. It just panics me. I'm just, it just does. I feel very ill-equipped and somewhere in my head, I am probably going to get pushed back on this when I say this, but in my head, I had taken the idea of homeschooling and the only people I knew at the time when I felt like the Lord was telling us that we were going to homeschool were women, mothers who excelled in the areas that I felt very deficient in. So they excelled at arts and craftsy fun activities for their toddlers and little people. And they were very content to sit on the floor all day and play um, dolls and toys and things with their children. And I mean, look, I I have eight kids and I just am going to break this bubble now. If you've ever thought this about me, I, it's not easy for me to do those things. I, it's much easier for me to sit with you and read with you um, than it is for, if you were my child, than it is for me to sit on the ground with you and your superheroes and play superheroes. I just don't want to do it in my flesh. And um, I just, I, I would much rather us go outside and play than, anyway. So, enter into that next season um, of homeschooling. And all I could think in my mind was, I just want to get through this. Like God's told us to do this for a while. I absolutely see the benefits. I absolutely see the fruit. But yet in my mind, there would be these thoughts. But if you would just do this, think of what your life would look like. If you didn't have to do this, think of how it would be. If you could just check out of this for a little bit, think how, and I would struggle with contentment and knowing with confidence that I'm right where I need to be doing exactly what God's called me to do in this season of life that I'm not missing out, that God will provide everything I need for right here where I am. 
That was hard for me. And so I've walked the last 13 years. I'm, I'm hesitating. I feel like it might have been longer than that, but at least the last 13 years of homeschooling. And God has done a, a major work in helping me defeat this lie, but this lie still raises its head. It looks different in different seasons. It sounds different in different seasons, but it at the root of it, the lie says, your life could be better if. And so what we want to understand is just like with every lie we've been looking at, there is some step, there are some steps that we need to take. And the first step is just identifying I'm hearing this lie. I'm hearing it. And I've allowed it to seep into the bottom layer of my soul. I may not, you may not have even been aware until this moment. Oh, that that's you. But we allow it to seep in. It goes down under the cracks and crevices. You know, I think about our thought life a lot of times and our the way we walk with the Lord. I think of it oftentimes as um, a house and our foundation has to be tied to the gospel. It has to be tightly tied to what Jesus did for us. And what does that mean for you and for me? Who does that make us become? How do we walk from that moment? forward. Like we have to tie our lives to the gospel that those are the foundational underpinnings, but a lie creeps into that foundation and begins to erode the foundation. If we're not careful and we're not guarded. And for me, what happened, what I began to experience was that this lie began to open up for me a pattern in my thinking where my mind almost had a grooved path in my head and thoughts would connect. So when I would start with that first thought, they would flow smoothly. And they would flow smoothly towards discontentment, discouragement, then doubt. Maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. And so my, the way I do battle against this lie and every lie it's the same. We, I, I think you probably are hearing it in, in the patterning, though, is the first thing we must do is we must identify the lie. And then once we identify the lie, once we say, this is what I'm believing, this is what I'm hearing, this is what I've allowed to erode the baseline of the gospel for me, what we need to be careful of is that shame doesn't want to creep right in right there. So the enemy then, what he does is he comes at you and he gives you the lie. You believe the lie. And then usually there's shame that layers on top of it for that lie. Don't let anybody know. Don't tell anybody. Whatever. But you and I are called to repent. To sit before God at his feet. You know, it says in Hebrews that you are welcome before the throne room of God. So not only does God want to hear your prayers, he actually full on welcomes you and is like, come on in and have a seat. Pour out your heart to me. Where we sit before and we say, I, this is what I'm hearing. That this, this role I play is not important. And it's actually a hindrance to all the other roles I play. That, that my motherhood holds me back, holds me back in my career. It holds me back in what other things I can do that it, it this season that you've put me in with toddlers that I'm at home more than anything else is, 
is making me miss out. Whatever it may be, we need to repent and allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through and pull all that erosion out of the foundation. And what we do is we layer truth in those spaces. So we anchor our mind to the truth of what God says about you and what God says about me. So that when the lie begins again, we can say, no, this is what I know. This is what I'm choosing to stand in. This is the purpose for my life. And we've been sharing that and I have created that little template for you to use. I know a lot of y'all have downloaded it. All it is, y'all, it's just a sheet of paper. You can do it in your own journal. It's not a thing. But if you've never studied God's word and you don't know how to do anything, it's just a template you can use for anything where it introduces you to an idea of we're going to take this little passage, we're going to write it, and we're going to ask ourselves, what does this mean about me? Where am I struggling here? What does this expose? What is the truth I can hang on to that this passage of scripture tells me is truth? And then how do I walk this out? just today. Um, And so for me, with this lie, there were several scriptures that God began to speak into my heart that gave me a sense of purpose, that helped me understand what this was all about and why I would want to engage with a passion in my motherhood and not fear that I was missing out. And instead stand to, you know, choose to stand in the truth that I was exactly where I needed to be doing exactly what I needed to be doing. And that God was a big enough, sovereign enough God that he can orchestrate anything else to happen. So what did I anchor my heart in? I think that would be a good question, right? Well, I needed to know what the God's word said about motherhood. And, you know, there's not that, I mean, there are places that God talks about mothers and women and all that. I think the most profound, one of the most profound places for me is um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul is actually talking about his ministry. So he's talking to the church at Thessalonica, and he's talking about who he is to them and how he's um, poured into them and ministered to them, how much he loves them. But he uses these two word pictures which I think actually display for you and for me as moms, part of what we do with our kids. So the first one is 1 Thessalonians 2. We're going to start in verse 6. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. So the analogy here, of course, is to the nursing mother with her child. But it's also like straight up how a mama can be with her child, right? And I needed these kind of little pictures to understand that I was called to be ready to share my, my very life with my child. And that, that that was a beautiful thing. And then later in the passage in um, verse 11 and 12, 
He says, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And again, it began to be this picture for me of what it looks like to embrace parenthood, to embrace this idea that I am here to exhort and encourage and to charge. And they're different verbs, and it's worth a study for you um, to get engaged in those verbs. Why would he put three, and why would they be slightly different? And understand that as a parent, this is a holy calling. And I needed to begin to say, no, I'm going to be gentle with my child. My child. I'm going to share with them not only the gospel, but my very life. I'm going to exhort, I'm going to charge, I'm going to encourage. And then, and then I had to do battle with my mind, right? So that kind of gave me a little bit of perspective. And there's lots of verses. I would love to begin to have some sort of a give and take with people of, oh, but this verse speaks to the calling into motherhood. This verse, this, there's so many, there's so many. So I'm just sharing some that have been special to me over the years. But then for me, I needed to do the battle of the mind. Remember, I told you that my brain will trip down this pathway. And I actually believe all of our brains kind of begin to have these neural pathways, but of where certain thoughts were connected. So I had to stop that, that flowing, if you will. And for one of mine, I needed to understand contentment in the now. You see, my personality, my temperament is kind of driven for what is to come and looking towards the next thing, the best thing, a better thing than right now. I'm a little, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to um, fall behind. There's lots, I'm, there's a lot that layers into this for me, but all of it, I needed a filter on my mind, something that I could layer over it so that instead of the assault from the enemy saying, you are missing out, this is not where you want to be. You don't want to be doing this. I could say, no, I can be content right here. And for me, Colossians three verses one through three are pivotal verses in my life. They basically set the stage for why I follow Jesus. They set the stage for why I choose to walk the way I choose to walk. They set the stage for who I'm going to be about. So it says in Colossians 3 verses 1 through 4, If then you have been raised with Christ, that's the gospel, okay? So for you and for me, when Christ died for you and he took away your sin, you changed position. And you have become like Christ. The fullness of Christ dwells within you. His spirit lives inside of you. You are sealed until the day um, you die. Like your position changed. So if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is because he's seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life 
is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. You see, I needed to change the way I interacted with my mind. My mind automatically, naturally, always will seek the things of this world. So my viewpoint will always look to what is right now. What is immediate? What is in front of me? What am I missing? What am I not doing right? How can it be different? And I needed to understand that I am called, you are called to do this action, which is in verse two. It says, set your mind on things that are above. And the reason it's there, you know, the reason Paul said not on things on this earth is because he understands. I mean, that's, that's the temptation. That's the easy neural pathway is to set your mind on the things here that are going to give you enjoyment for the moment. But God says, no, set your mind on things that are above. And then he gives you the reason why in verse three. And this is why it's so critical for us to plant ourselves, to understand the gospel, to make that be the foundational underpinnings of our, the, our, our mind. The thing that holds us steady. It says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are are different. There are days you're not going to feel different and there are days you're, you're going to be firmly convinced that you're cruddy. But you and I have died because Christ died for us. And so this body that we're living in right now, you know, I think Paul talks about it in Romans where he says, well, I mean, what am I supposed to do? Because I keep on doing the things I'm, I don't want to do. I keep on you know, struggling with this lie over and over again, maybe I keep on returning to it and saying, you know, and Paul basically says, I mean, the things I, I keep on doing that I don't want to do. And that's because until we're in, we're in the middle, right? We're in that space of after Jesus died, but not yet. He hasn't yet come back for us. And so we're living in a place where our flesh still has the ability to trip us up, for us to believe the lie, for us to long for what is here. That's, that's part of walking right here. But the beauty and the freedom that comes from understanding the gospel that says, but you have died and your life is now hidden in Christ. It means that even in the spaces where I do get tripped up, in the spaces where I am struggling with my thought life and I am walking maybe for days in discontentment, sure that I'm poor, pitiful me. I don't want to do this or I'm missing out. And so I'm scrambling to try and figure out ways to make my life better here. Or I'm feeling like I'm falling behind and I'm not measuring up to what everybody else is. And when I'm buying those lies and then I realize I've been buying those lies, then shame comes in and goes, why do you keep struggling with that? Why is this still your problem? Can't you fix this? And you know, Paul kind of said, you know, the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing what hope is there for me. And then he says, but thanks be to God in Christ Jesus. Right. And he says, and there's no condemnation because you are in Christ Jesus. You see, when your position changed because of Jesus's death on the cross and you died, your life forever has been radically altered. And there's not condemnation towards the places where you're struggling whether it's you're struggling with sin, you're struggling with whatever. 
but instead you are invited into a relationship with the Holy Spirit within you and um, invited to allow him to change you. And part of being changed is doing this process, identifying the lie you're believing, resisting the idea of just having shame about it, and instead getting before the throne and repenting. And then looking in the word and finding the truth that will anchor your soul and arm you for the next time when this lie assaults you again, because it will. But when we understand who we are in the gospel, we understand the beautiful relationship that God says, no, set your mind on me. Put your understand you have died. Your life is hidden with me. And when I'm coming back for you, it's going to be for my glory. That's what he says. He says that, you know, Bethany, your life is for my glory and I am working for my glory in your life. And y'all, your lives, your children's lives, they're for God's glory. He is at work because he is invested in glorifying his name. And he does that when we continue to go back, seek, surrender to him, keep our eyes on him. Say, okay, well, in this next moment, you know, I'm being just assailed with thoughts that none of this is worth it. And instead, Lord, I'm going to choose that this is worth it because I want to be surrendered to you in this moment. And I want to be in a position where you can glorify your name in my motherhood. So there's a truth. Motherhood is crazy hard. It's self-sacrificing, other-loving, and other-focused. It's probably the most demanding role I've ever done. It costs me freedom, right? No, like a lot of freedom. I can't even, even this morning, I couldn't even take a shower without having multiple interruptions. And y'all, my, my kids are now, I'm finally in the last year in a space where I feel like I can lock my bedroom door. Nobody's going to die, choke or hurt themselves because we're out of the toddler years. My last one is five and I'm feeling like, okay, everybody should be able to maintain themselves while I take a shower. I had two door pickers at two different times came in, visited me. Like it is a demanding role that costs you. It costs me. It costs us freedom. It costs us time. Costs us our peace of mind, right? Lots of times we're worried about whatever's happening in our children's world. And when my mind is set on me in that, I will be discontent. So when I see all of that, that trade-off, and I see me, I'm discontent. I see everything from the perspective of a loss. It's a loss of happiness, a loss of freedom. It's impeding my joy. But when I filter it all through being in Christ, meaning I've set my mind on things above. I've set my mind on the fact that I have died and my life is hidden in Christ. Then there can be an active redirection. And instead of me aching about what might have been, the manna of the morning, so the, the gift of just for today, God saying, this is enough and for today you can walk is enough. It doesn't mean that tomorrow I won't wake up and feel the exact same way again. What what we do to ourselves is we say, well, I can't get out of this. I can't stop thinking this way. And we condemn ourselves 
and saying, there's something wrong with me that I can't stop this. No, the, the battle, the fight is in just that day, redirecting your mind to the truth of God's word and understanding that God's manna, right? We saw it in the Old Testament with the Israelites. The manna was good for one day. If you saved it over one day, it rotted and grew worms and it was disgusting. Jesus is your manna. He said that as he walked. He goes, I am your bread. And I am enough for today. But you need to set your mind on me today. And let tomorrow, let's do it again tomorrow. But for today, this is what we do. This is how we fight these lies. This is how we walk this out in a way that begins to bring and grow confidence in who Jesus is. Confidence that the word is as powerful as God says the word is. And it will bring you true peace. But this is a righteous, holy war. Y'all, we have to, we have to fight this war. And the attack is fierce. And the attack on some of these lies, we're now on lie five. The attack of these lies is can happen every day until you die it can so you can't be discouraged yet again today I thought I dealt with this yesterday no it's manna for the day but the last part that we keep talking about with these lies is that we identify the lie and we repent we reject shame we anchor ourselves in the word and we seek community And I'm offering you the community of my friendship clearly on a podcast. You can reach me by email. You can reach me through the podcast. There's lots of ways you can reach me and I'm available. I'm on Instagram and I talk to people all the time. But we need to understand that we need to hunger for other women that we can be brutally raw with and say, I cannot get out of this spiral. This is what my brain constantly hears. I am struggling to anchor, to identify it, to repent of it, and to anchor in truth. And yet, I need somebody walking with me in it. And we need to start linking arms in community. If you don't have friendships like that, I want you to reach out to me. But I want you to hunger for that kind of community. It is rich. It will change your life. But it may not be the friend that you hang out with for girls' night. It may not be that woman. And we need to start understanding that we need to hunger for true community. I'm excited this next week you're going to talk to two of my community about this very lie. Caroline Colley and Christy Wallace are, I would have to say, two of my closest friends. I hope it comes through on our talk at, at the table. Oh my goodness, I hope you can just hear some of the delight we have of being with one another. We weren't actually with one another, and it kind of made our hearts sad because we live on different parts of the country. But their hearts for Jesus and their honesty about this lie and how it impacts them is huge, and you need to listen. I can't wait for you to hear it next week. I'm looking forward to it. But until then, reach out to me. If you have any questions, if you have any um, anything that's unclear, uh, you can download again the Lies of Motherhood template. 
It's linked to the show notes. It's on my website. You can find it. Or if not, send me an email and I will send it to you. It's not a big deal. It's free. You can find me on Instagram where you also can DM me and reach out to me, especially if you're really struggling. Until next week, I pray that you will understand how loved you are by the Father and how much He wants you to walk triumphantly with Him. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.